0: pause your word counts, and enjoy.
1: So we have a super special guest, Shannon Snow. Shannon, why don't you tell us about yourself and how you got started in publishing and what you're looking for?
2: Sure. So first off, I had a left turn at Albuquerque and mm-hmm. I started out in the wrong field for me and spent 18 years in finance and marketing at Fortune 500 companies. Uh, it was a very long time and I was one of those kids in in school that always would tell my math teacher, I don't know why I need to take this. I will never (laughs) ever have a career using math. (laughs) And that's exactly what I spent 18 years doing. But I had a degree of a BA in English language literature. I've always loved books since the moment I could pick one up. And I just decided at one point, it's never too late to pursue your dream. And I kind of switched gears. I spent some time doing three consecutive internships. And then I came on board a creative media agency in 2020, early 2020. So I'm finally getting to live the dream. (laughs) Thank you.
3: (laughs) Never too late.
2: Never too late.
1: So what are you most excited about finding in your inbox?
2: Anything that will make me feel something emotionally, whether it's make me laugh out loud or reach for the tissues. I love to have really strong, good characters that I can see myself in the story like they're standing right beside me. So I really want some good, strong characters, something that's going to leave an impact on me after I finish reading it, where I think about it a little afterward. So it, definitely that kind of thing really interests me.
1: Wow. So does that mean you're open to all genres?
2: Pretty much everything. I have a, I don't know if you've seen my list of things, but I pretty much run the gamut. I don't do a lot of memoirs and I, I don't do any nonfiction mm-hmm. yet. Yes. So I'm, I'm putting a yet on that because that, you know, you never know. That may change in future. And I don't do a lot of middle grade, but okay. pretty much everything else I'm open I'm open to looking at. Them.
1: Perhaps you also are hesitant about middle grade for the reason many people are, which was that middle school
2: was not that much fun. That could be, maybe. <laughs> I think a lot of it too is I, I don't feel that I can connect with it quite as well. Obviously, I mean, I did raise two children and they went through middle school, but I don't know, I just connect more with the more adult genres and then young adult. And young adult for the reason of my kids wanted to read some young adult books when they were in middle school. And Mm -hmm. I read them ahead of time just to make sure it was appropriate for my kid. And then I was like, wow, this is a really good genre. You know, I really love young adult. So that kind of turned me into a fan, but I never, they they were never clamoring to read any middle grade. So I was never exposed to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Shannon, I'm fascinated about your pivot. So how did you know you wanted to be in publishing? Like wh- where was that hard turn from finance to publishing and what drew you to it,
2: toward it? You know, I always knew that my career needed to be in publishing in one form or another whether I was going to be an agent, an editor, or a writer myself, because I do do a little bit of writing on the side, but I just knew always from the time I was a kid that I should be working with books in some form or fashion. And when the corporate world began to get a little bit too wearing on me, I thought, you know, this is the perfect time for me to return to something that I'm going to enjoy and really love. And I know it's been said before that if you work a job that you enjoy, that you'll never work a day in your life. So it's sort of true, sort of not in the sense of you do work very hard, but you love what you do. And that's what I was looking for, was to get out of something that I kind of felt like I was having to do and more into using what I had gone to school for to really get into something that I knew I would love are you finding parallels between your worlds in the sense of the the piece of my job that had to do with marketing yes having those skills that background in marketing does help me to kind of give some feedback and some a, a little bit of guidance to my clients for for marketing purposes so i think that that helps me a great deal i also think that because i was in management for so long it made me a good people person because I was able to kind of talk to people, figure out what they needed from me. You know, what, what kind of person is this? What do they need from me? Do they need to be handheld? Do they need to just, you know, minimal direction, but, you know, be there when I need you. So I, I was very good at gauging people and it was a cultivated sort of skill that I had when I was in management. So I do believe that that transfers over very well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Is there anything, and of course, if this is too personal or there's no way to say it anonymously slash kindly, is there anything that you see that you're like, publishing, what are you doing? This is not how business works.
2: The only thing I worry about is the big five becoming a big four. Mm -hmm. I'm a little worried about that. And I'm thinking, hmm, at what point do they say, okay, now we need to have a little bit little bit more stretched out here. So that, that kind of worries me a little bit, but otherwise, no, not really. I'm, I'm kind of one of those people that kind of goes with the flow.
3: Mm.
1: Yeah. Valentina, do you also kind of feel like publishing is a little different from the rest of the business world?
3: Yes. Uh (laughs) 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 I, the, the slowness of publishing. Like I know it, yes. takes, I know it takes a long the, the slowness to me is just baffling. While I do understand I do understand the the different levels it goes to in order to produce books, it's the time frame that really uh gets me. Cause if from all of these agent interviews that we've done and I've been listening a lot of it seems like, well, it goes to to this department, this department, and, you know, sometimes it takes them a while to get back to us. And I'm like, okay, so basically what I'm hearing is they're not, it doesn't take a long time because it necessarily has to go to all these departments. It takes a long time because the people are slow in these departments. Right. So it's not so much in the department that's the problem. It's like, come on, guys, y'all saw this two weeks ago.
2: (laughs) You know, I really wish I had given your answer because- now that I think about it, having heard you say that, that is one thing that is so different from the world that I came from. In the corporate world, you know, working in finance, marketing, it was all, here's your task and here's the deadline, have it done now. And you had to get those answers, obtain anything that you needed and have it done. And everything was, it needs to be done right now. Whereas moving over into publishing, it is so much waiting and figuring out, okay, when are they going to answer me? Okay, when are they going to answer them? You know, it, it really was something that was a, a, a very different kind of world to look at. Very much so. That's a very good point that you made.
3: Yeah, it sounds a lot like hurry up and wait to me. Because, you know, agents when you, you know, you have these long, agents already get a million and two <laughs> queries a day. So by the time you find something that actually like sits well with you, do you like, oh my God, I, I actually want this. How many other agents actually have this query and where is it in their mm-hmm. inbox? So now just like hurrying up, trying to reach out to the person in hopes that nobody else is at the same part of their inbox mm-hmm. <laughs> that they are. Yeah. So they're like, you're hurrying up now. And then it's like, okay, Yes. They like me. Good. We signed the contract. Everything's good. But now the agent has to turn around and do the same thing. Hurry yep. up. Now wait, you yep. know, and the editor, hurry up now and wait, you know, yep. it's just this whole long process that I just feel like can be tightened. Can, can be tightened. <laughs> yes.
2: And then of course, if, if, if you sell it and mm-hmm. it goes on contract, then you have this long wait. The poor author has to wait forever for the book to actually have a date and and it actually comes out and hits the shelves.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So yeah, I definitely agree with that.
1: I do think a lot of it has to do with the fact that every person has so much on their plate at exactly the same time. So, you know, it's not like they're sitting around and they're just watching TV all day. You know, it's more like, ah, oh, I have 57 things I should be doing right now. Which one do I do first? Right. Um, but I had a friend who would joke that we could just have Warp Speed Wednesdays and publishing where things actually got done.
2: <laughs> it <laughs> it would sounds work. like a good plan.
3: <laughs>
1: Sandra also has a question. Hi, Sandra. Hi.
3: Hi. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Valentina. Hi, Shannon. I don't want to leave you out. Hi, Julie. seeing your face. My question is, what are you reading in 2020? 2021, sorry. (laughs) We had a storm in Texas. Everybody knows. What are you reading right now in 2021 that you are just want to keep turning the pages and you can't stop turning the pages that you really are enjoying? And what are you also looking at and getting that you're like, I'm not as interested in seeing that or can we as
4: writers present it to you in a different way?
2: Very good question. Right now, I am very interested in contemporary romance. Love rom-coms, but I, I love the serious stories as well. I really want to see more of those types of stories with diverse characters. So I, I love pretty much any kind of romance, but I, I, I don't see as much of that in my inbox. And I would love to see more of that. And that also goes for young adult as well. I'm reading a lot of young adult. I love the young adult romances. Want to see more diversity there. Just a, really good stories, about the the characters and really good characters and some tropes that haven't been done before. I'm honing in a lot on thrillers right now, Mm -hmm. as well as some psychological thrillers and some eerie, creepy horror at the moment is really kind of captured my interest, which I I really, would. it's actually fairly new. I wouldn't have thought that I would be that interested in it, but it's been something new that someone sent me one and I was like, wow, this is really good. (laughs) <laughs> and the next thing you know, I'm tweeting, "Hey, guys, I really want to see you know, eerie creepy horror. Send it my way, you know <laughs> So it a lot of the times it depends on what lands in my inbox. Sometimes people will turn me on to something that I didn't think that I would like, and all of a sudden i'm I'm after it. The only thing I'm probably leaning a little bit further away from at the present time is is probably sci-fi. I seem to be getting a lot of the same types of stories. Hmm. So I'm very picky when it comes to my sci-fi. I won't say that I don't look at it at all and that I don't want to see queries for it, but it it really does need to be something unique. And I highly suggest that they really look at what I have to say on my manuscript wish list as far as what type of sci-fi that I enjoy and really kind of look at their story and say, okay, do I meet that criteria? Yes, no. Okay, then I'm going to query her or not. So that's sort of what I'm doing right now and what I'm looking for and what I'm kind of getting, a, slowing down a little bit on, I would say. I'm not not accepting it. I'm just slowing down on, on that a little bit. Does that answer your question?
3: Yeah, thank you. Yeah,
2: and, no
0: and I, I'd love to jump in because I saw first, I think what you said something really interesting. You said, I don't like, I didn't know I would love this, <laughs> you know? And I think that's yeah. like, like we, often, we often hear that, like, I didn't know I wanted it until it was right in front of me. And that's why sometimes not getting too, you know, obsessed by people's manuscript wish lists and, and just trying out if it feels like a good fit. Hi. Yes, you mentioned that you like seeing diverse characters kind of come in and that's what draws you into the story. So I wanted to see what kind of characteristics that you see in a character that you go, ooh, like I connect to that. I relate to that. I like that.
2: I really want to see some other, some characters of just different diverse backgrounds. I, I would love to see LGBTQ characters. I would love to see Latina characters, African-American, I, I just, there's obviously, we know right now there's not enough of that on the shelves and there's not enough representation for that. And I want to see that. I want to see a good romance in that area because I don't see, I don't see enough. I So I want people to start sending me those. I really want to have that type of story and, and, and just kind of look from other perspectives and be able to see stories and and get behind stories and represent them that are untold and don't have as much represent, representation as they should.
1: And if I can extrapolate a little from what you yeah. said, you want to see characters in positions of power and having fun, right? Absolutely. I think that's so important too. And that's such an interesting distinction. Like we want to see visions of things going well. And I think that's what most people mean, but they don't necessarily
3: specifically say. Yes. Yeah, I think it's important also, when you're looking at diverse characters, that the things that make them diverse don't end up being a plot line. Um, exactly. so, like, if say, for example, you have like <laughs> a romance between a Black character and a white character. One of the plot lines shouldn't be something about, you know, their families not liking them being together because one person is of a different background.
2: Thank you, Valentina. That's exactly what I, what I was trying to explain earlier. I, I just want to see them in their normal lives, just doing their thing and living their life, whatever that may be a romance or whatever they're dealing with at that mm-hmm. particular time, their job. It's basically, you know, what they're living and I want to see it on the page and I wanted to have a good story around it. It doesn't have to be sad. It doesn't have to be you know the struggle or or anything. Just be, let it be normal, and let me see them living their life. Yes, absolutely.
3: Yeah, that's. I I don't know if Jessica has, or Julia has noticed this, but it's become this thing that now, like when diversity, it's it's not a trend, but it's become a thing now. It's yes. become widely acceptable. But if you look at like the past, when it comes to books or movies, anytime you see a character that is, you know, in a general sense, outside of like comedy you'll get like, you know, a black character or you get an Asian family and it's always some kind of like struggle. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's it's wrapped around a struggle. And it's like, can we get just joy? Can we like, I, I call it trauma porn. It's like you, you, you watch these things and you're crying and you're upset about it. And you're like, oh, my God, that was such a good movie. But it's like, why does everything have to be about this? <laughs> I, I agree with
2: you completely. Everything I just, I to just want this. to see them living their life and having fun and right. getting getting that romance the same way anyone else would get their romance. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just there, I want to right see right. that. <laughs> yeah. Outside, outside yeah. of that.
1: And going back to what you said about it not being necessarily just about their identity, kind of like how for a while we were all talking about how we want stories with LGBTQIA characters who are not stuck in a coming out story. Right.
2: Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I have had some queries lately that were LGBTQIA and, and they were very interesting because they were... Just about finding the romance, having that romance, and they had a subplot, you know, built around what was going on with them. But it was just them living their lives. It wasn't about somebody having to struggle to come out. It wasn't. It, it didn't have an agenda. It was just them telling a great story. And these just happened to be the characters, and I was drawn in by that.
3: Mm-hmm. Actually, I have a question, and this is piggyback often off of Aaron's question. Yes. So- When when it comes to diverse characters, Jessica and Shannon, actually, how do you feel about dead genres when it comes to diverse characters? Like a dystopia, right? So I know like it's it's been this whole thing now when certain certain genres like oh we don't we don't do anymore it's played out but it hasn't been done with different storylines with different people with different backgrounds. So do you still feel like leave a dead genre alone? Because it's dead or depending on the storyline and the characters, maybe.
2: (laughs) What do you think? I personally refuse to let dystopia die. I love (laughs) dystopia. So I'm really open to, honestly, I think that one of the reasons why certain genres can be looked at as dead, for example, is because they are overplayed in a a lot of the same type of story with just a few changes maybe to make it a little unique all kind of hit the market all at the same time but having that diversity in there I think would add something really unique to it because they're going to have a different take on what's happening around them and then hopefully the author will have given, given a different type of dystopia for us to see their players in so yeah, I'm still open to seeing things that others would consider dead, because I think that I don't I don't like to throw away a, a genre. So that you know, Jessica, what do you think?
1: For me, dystopia could not die fast enough. I remember the summer that was all the ways that the world was ending, and I just was not having it. It was not for me. I still question the choice of making kids fight each other in books. I don't. It, it's not for me. That said. I think I think it depends on the genre. I mean, I'm I'm not usually a big fan of bad things happening to characters that I care about and the world ending in new and original ways, but I think kind of like we were saying before, a genre becomes dead when we're tired of it and we've chosen one very specific way to go about that genre. All the while, there were all these different options for how to approach the genre, but that one specific way became the thing that everybody did. So everyone got tired of that one specific thing and forgot yes. about all of the other possibilities. Mm-hmm. So I think anything that lends a fresh perspective makes it a lot more possible. And I think seeing it from the perspective of characters we don't usually get to see could make it fresh again.
2: I agree with that completely. And I think that it's funny that you should say that because I think on my manuscript wish list, I even have... Is the world coming to an end? Show me. I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, I do. Even the queer, because I have that on my manuscript wish list, I do get a lot of queries for dystopia stories. But a lot of them are just a lot of the same things I've seen before. Mm-hmm. So I do think that if it had fresh, you know, maybe diverse characters, that it would lend a new light to it and make it a little bit more fresh. So yes. Yeah. I'm great, so glad. Great question. I'm
0: so glad you said this because I, this is something we talked about when we did our revision workshop, where for, for people listening at home, like if you have a book and it's just, it's just not selling, it might be that if you just put another eye and just to put another ray of light into it, somehow a new energy and the freshness that, that you can put into it can make all the difference. And it's really interesting. And what what makes something unique and fresh if with w- when you're seeing a lot of the same thing in, in your inbox?
2: I'll give you an example. I'm reading something right now. It it was one that I had requested a partial for, and it is a fantasy, but it's also kind of a fantasy dystopia because it you know once upon a time way way in the past it used to be our world, but then it's so far beyond our world now that it's become more of a fantasy. Hmm. And it, it has a, an African-American lead character, female. And the story is unique, but I could have read that same story before, something similar to it. And I know I have, but what makes it so fresh and unique to me, and I'm actually gobbling it up right now, reading to full at the moment. And uh, I just have very good feelings about wanting to make an offer on this is that female character, because her telling of this particular story, I might have kind of seen some common threads of the story in others I've read, but her telling of it is completely different. She's a different type of person. She's a different character. She handles the scenarios that she runs up against in a different way with different thinking, and that makes it really fresh and unique to me and I don't know if that answered your question. I'm I'm hoping so.
0: I mean it did, because I think it's it's so interesting how if if you lay into character and you start building those nuances, that can make all the difference. And yes. or if you if you switch your antagonist and your protagonist, sometimes you can find real energy there. There's so oh, yeah. many interesting things you can do in revision that's gonna elevate and bring freshness. And I think there there has to be, as writers, research into other things that are out there. And talking to other writers and kind of getting the vibe, which is really hard for writers, you know, stuck at home in the querying trenches. Mm-hmm. But but that's kind of one of the weird pieces of revision that I don't think we talk about enough. I think there's a lot of power in the pivot and in the really building weird and fun and unique wants. So yes, I, th- I think you answered it beautifully. I think I asked the question, not beautifully, but you answered it beautifully. Thank <laughs> you.
2: Well, thank you. <laughs>
0: Thank you for the question.
1: Well, and I think one thing that came up today when I was meeting with an author is that you can have a lot of the same intellectual content, but the emotional content is often what makes it feel fresh. Even if it's like, how many characters have you seen who are sad? A lot. But there are so many different shades of being sad and so many different reasons behind it and so much different energy behind it. For any emotion, I think if done in such a way that it's very, very specific, it can feel universal and fresh at the same time.
2: That's so funny. I'm going to go back to that same story that I'm talking about. This particular character is a very emotional character. And when I say emotional, I don't mean she's breaking down crying all the time, but she feels things very deeply. So when she's angry, she's very angry and you know it when she feels love, it's very potent. And you can see that on the page and the way she treats other characters and I don't think any other character could have told the story in the same exact way. And I think it had to do with who the author is and having that in her background, too. So that way it comes out of her. A lot of it, I think, has to do with who's writing it as well. And if they've experienced that or have a little piece of themselves in that character that shines through and makes it unique. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I really hope that you get a positive answer for that author so we can say we heard it here first
2: oh yeah that'd be great
1: <laughs> carol would you like to ask your question how is the decision making done in the agency is it done by the individual agent all the way down to offering or do you consult with other agents in at the firm with accountants at the firm and so on and so forth to understand
2: how the portfolio is shaping up so that the agency can stay healthy instead that's a very good question. We have three agents at our agency, Paige, who has 20 plus years of experience. Me, I've been in the agency for a little over a year now. And then Haley, who is is fairly new, is a few months in. We each make our own decisions. If I read something and it flips me, then I'm going to shoot her a quick email and say, hey, got one. I'm, I'm going to make a phone call tonight. And she's like, cool, good deal. And hmm. For instance, there was one that I read about a week and a half ago, and I felt magic after the first three chapters. Mm -hmm. And I asked for the full, and I said to myself, okay, please, please be as great as the first three chapters, please, because this is wonderful. And about halfway through that book, I was still just in love dying over this book. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, please hold to the end because I want to offer for this so bad. And I reached the end, and I was like, it's Saturday. Can I call them on a Saturday? You know? <laughs> so I really just kind of sent an email out and I said, hey, I'm going to offer for this and it's this type of book and I'll let you know how it goes. And so ultimately, we make our own decisions. If there is ever a question, if a particular manuscript may, for example, be touching on a sensitive topic, then we might run it past each other and kind of give give our opinion of what we think. Okay, is, do we need a sensitivity reader here? That sort of thing. But that's kind of rare. And we just kind of take on what we want to take on each. But the good thing is that the three of us, between the three of us, we handle pretty much the entire gamut. So we overlap in, in some areas, but like Haley does middle grade, I don't do middle grade. Paige has done a little bit of middle grade, but not a whole lot. She and I overlap in romance a little, but her tastes in the romance genre are different from mine. Haley and I both like young adult, but our tastes in young adult are completely different. She does memoirs, you know, I really don't. So I think we have it all kind of covered between the three of us, which is great. So that gives us a lot of room to grow uh, even further as an agency. I hope that Kind of touched on all the nuances of your question.
0: I just want to say it's very helpful.
2: Thank you so much. It was right. a multi-stage process on you, sir. Okay, great.
3: Allie, did you want to ask your question? Hi. So my question was about uh querying quieter stories, like ones where the stakes aren't
4: quite, you know, world-ending. It's something like like a YA story where the thing at risk is like losing your best friend, which I I know I felt like at that point in my life, like that would be world ending, but I've kind of had feedback in from like critique partners in looking at the query that like, they're just not like, well, why can't she just make a new friend? And so I don't think it's like so much that the stake itself is not enough, but how do you really make that land? Like in just the space of a query, how do you make that more emotional kind of stake really land?
2: Hmm. That's a really good question. I I tend to read those and, I just kind of judge them on their merit in, in the sense that there there's plenty of room out there for a story like that. I personally have read a lot of stories like that. And it's just the the general struggle of a person in the world that they live in at that moment. There's plenty of room out there, I think, in the book industry for that type of story, as long as it brings something fresh and unique. I think you even said it yourself, you know, there's, there's a lot of of uh, stories out there where somebody's lost a best friend, but what makes yours unique? I think that's what you need to get out into the query is, you know, this isn't find a way to kind of express this isn't your average run of the mill. I lost my best friend. and oh, I'm going to spend the entire book upset about it." it, but what makes this particular loss special and the trying to get that friendship back. What is so special about it? Is it because, this person has always felt abandoned all their life because of various reasons everyone they love leaves them you know what's the motivation behind that friendship loss being so important to them and insert that emotion into the query that's my feeling um jessica what do you got what do you guys think
1: well just talking about that it makes me think of the hulu series called pen 15 i don't know if you've seen it but the way they describe that best friendship it would be devastating if they permanently lost each other. Because you can see how they're both people who basically don't have anyone else who understands them. And yes, Mm. that's a very quiet way of describing it. But if you watch it, you will see that they are unique people who have a relationship that is very rare. And I think that level of setup and that level of detail and that level of making us care, I guess technically it could be described as a quiet series, but watching it, it doesn't feel that way. I do think it's important to start in the right place, though, because if, for example, the the structure of the book is before we even start, the best friend was lost, and then the rest of the book is dealing with something that already happened, that's difficult. We need some conflict that is in the present, external, and happening on the page, as opposed to something that is in the past, internal, and just processing that. So I think how it's framed is really important, too.
2: I agree with that. I think that that type of story, you would almost have to have a little bit of the background and then see that event occur and then the emotional reactions behind it. I think that that would be something that would be key. Mm. Hope that answered the question.
1: Yeah, but there are definitely editors and agents asking for quiet books. Oh,
0: yeah. I watch Normal People all day, which is a book I read early in the pandemic. And I think that it's so interesting that it's just a novel beautifully written about a relationship that's just hot and cold. And that level of tension that's kept through that very quiet story is riveting. And so riveting a fact that it ended up on Hulu. And, you know, I think we can can point fingers and say, well, that's a quiet book, but if the writing's good, it's not a quiet book. You know, it's it's really about that tension on that page. So you can have a quiet concept, but the book can be just full of just juicy prose and amazing things going on. So I don't think we should typecast ourselves in this. Let's, you know, just try to like make sure you write the best book you can write and then just try to find that champion. You mentioned that some some of the people in your agency have a
4: little bit of different takes on maybe like romance. And if you feel like a query is more geared to someone else within your agency, would you pass that over to them or would you just let it go and then hope that they queried someone
2: else? We're all about the share at our agency. So if I read a query and I know it's not for me, Mm -hmm. but it's got Haley written all over it, I'm going to forward it to Haley and say, hey, this one wasn't quite up my alley, but what do you think? Okay. and we we all do the same thing
0: okay
2: great absolutely and that's a great question i think that's important for people to know is that agents at least in my agency but i'm i'm hoping in a lot of agencies will share you know if they don't feel that it's for them but they know that their colleague likes it
1: also, okay. just to go back to your question of passing things, I've even shared stuff to people at other agencies because honestly, I just want the book to find its right home, and that pleases me as somebody who's basically a matchmaker. So I think that's I think that's really important.
2: All right. That's a great point because if you if you like a story and you find it enjoyable, but it there's something about it that just isn't right for you, but you see its merits, you do want it to find a home so. Mm-hmm. I think that's really great that you do share it even with other agencies.
1: Yeah. And she took it on. I was so pleased with myself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> give yourself a pat on the back. Oh, I was very happy.
1: <laughs> Elizabeth M. We have a question here about revisions when you're on submission. Elizabeth.
2: Yeah.
4: So I um, sent a, you know a few queries, but then I had some beta readers like finally get back to me and just give me kind of some feedback. So I didn't know if the people who haven't like gotten back to me yet if i should just like withdraw my submission and then resubmit or just kind of let it go I, I didn't know like what the protocol was to that cuz i'm still a little new to this
2: <laughs> so you you're saying that you queried and did they read any of your did they request a partial
4: no i haven't heard anything back from like a few it's like 3 i i sent out 3 And I haven't heard anything back, but then like a beta reader who I honestly thought just kind of like forgot about my stuff, sent me back some information. So then I kind of did some revisions. So I didn't know if I should withdraw from those agents that I haven't heard from.
2: Um, For me, I'm very open to people writing to me if they've queried me on something, if they have gone through a revision period and Mm -hmm. changed something where they feel like it's maybe dramatically different or, or a lot different than it was when they first queried it. If they want to send me a follow-up email to say, I queried you on, on this date, but I feel like I've made changes here and, and I wanted to make sure you knew about them. I'm fine with that. If you know, So I, I don't have a problem with that. People do that with me a lot.
3: Okay.
4: Perfect. Thank you. Does, yeah, does and that, I think, did that answer your question? Yes, that did. I just, I'm still kind of new to everything. So I don't know what the like proper etiquette is and I don't want to like leave a bad taste in someone's mouth because it's not my intention.
1: Of course. I think it's also completely fine to say something like, you know, dear agent name, I've just received feedback on this novel, which, you know, includes a few bullet points. I'd love to send you the new version. Let me know if that's okay or something like that. I think is totally okay. Especially if you get feedback from another agent, then that means that they know that you take feedback and another agent is interested. So I think there are definitely
2: proper ways of doing that. I agree with that. I've had some of those as well. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: well, thank you. Tell us something that isn't nearly as scary and hopeless as writers fear it
2: is. I would say probably the marketing is a big piece of it once they sell, you know they're worried about if they're going to be able to, to actually sell the books, and oh, I need to market myself, and they then they can kind of cultivate some tools in marketing and and just kind of publicizing themselves. And getting their name out there, I think that a lot of the time they're, they're scared of that at first, especially if they're maybe more introverted. And a, a lot of the time they're a little bit more excited and maybe surprised by the fact that it, it's really not as difficult as they think it might have been. So especially if they have some people kind of guiding them and giving them some advice. I'm trying to think of another example. What do you think, Jessica? Jessica?
1: I think the slush pile, but I know everyone's heard that so many times. I wish I I wish there was an ethical way to show you how the vast majority of people in there are not trying nearly as hard as you are. You know, it's it's really mm-hmm. not unusual to just get, hi, I have this book. It is this genre. Then they're totally wrong about what genre it is. You should call me because it will be an next bestseller. Here's my number. And I also spoke with a writer this week who had a really unrealistic sense of time. And she had sent out her book and waited 48 hours and she was sure she was rejected by everybody and should give up because she hadn't heard a yes yet. And I, I feel like this should be one of those moment moments like, reader, I laughed. I did. I couldn't help it. I laughed because, you know, just the idea of 48 hours being the standard I think, I think there's so much in the publishing world that is unique to it and shouldn't be. But I also think that if you assume everything will take longer, assume everyone is not trying as hard as you are on the, on the querying side, assume every agent is trying harder than it looks like they are, you probably get a better picture in your head of what you see in your inbox.
2: I agree with that completely. There, you can definitely tell the people who have done their homework when you, when you look at what comes in. And versus the ones that just haven't done their homework. And those kind of stand out, the ones who have definitely stand ahead by leaps and bounds and really get your attention a whole lot more. You can definitely see it. I had somebody query me. It was the very first query that she had ever sent out before in her life. Mm. And I want her book. So I'm, I'm really... It was kind of cool. I mean, she's written several books, so she's definitely a wonderful writer, but she had never queried before and she had no idea what to expect, but her query letter was on fire. I mean, it was just spot on and it was so much better than than so many that actually have queried quite a bit, you know, so that it surprised her when I told her how much I loved it and and uh, how wonderful it had come off when I read it, she said, really? She said, because that, that's actually the first time I've ever queried was this round of querying right here. And I, did, and I was so scared that I was doing it wrong. So I thought that was really, really a good good thing for kind of me to know as well, that sometimes you you can't assume that somebody's been at it forever. You know, sometimes they're fairly new to it or sometimes they have been at it forever, but can't judge a book by its cover, I guess. <laughs>
1: well, I know yeah. I say this every time, but just by the fact that you are here, this means you're doing better than the vast, vast, vast majority of people
2: in the This is how you learn. Absolutely. This is how people learn. And it sets them kind of a point above. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would
0: say, like, I thought you answered it beautifully. And I think that marketing is a big looming beast for, for any artist. Mm. and you know, I don't think anyone's ever said, you know, it's going to be okay. And maybe that's your marketing background, but you know, it is like, I think like books have lives and there's things you can do to help with the marketing, but there's also that organic, just kind of like flow of the art, you know? And so it Mm -hmm. can be easier, I think, than, than we feel like it's going to be.
2: Well, I've just spoken with so many authors before when I talk to them and I'm making an, an offer of representation and, a lot of the questions that I receive are now, do you help with the marketing? Do you help me figure out how to publicize myself? And it's become quite clear. This is a real concern for some people. Uh, Not all of them ask it, but a lot of them do. And so that kind of put me in mind thinking that this is something they're really concerned about. You know, They have no idea. And being able to kind of reassure them that, nope, you know, I'm there, I'm going to kind of point you in the right direction because we, we do offer that, you know, at our agency. I think that is, is crucial for them to kind of understand that you're not going to sign them and leave them hanging out there to figure out how to promote themselves. So,
3: so if you had Google level funding and the ability to spend 20% of your time making something, doesn't have to be a physical product. It can be a program or a digital thing.
2: What would you make? This may sound really silly, but I would make my own book. Honestly, I love books. I would have to have something that, let's say that I didn't have books, you know, it wasn't a thing. I would have to have something, I would have to be able to write something. Or I would create some sort of tech gadget that could do, you know that movie Total Recall where you can have memories implanted? Oh, yes. Okay. So what if you had that sort of tech where you could have a story that you really wanted to read, but you don't have time to read it. So you could kind of plug that in when you go to sleep. And then in the morning, you've read that book. (laughs) So I don't know, I just think it'd be something cool like that. If you had that,
3: imagine what that would do for college in, in kids in school, yes. now you, you would be a billion, like a billionaire. Ten I know, right?
2: <laughs> well, and I just, I just think about the fact that so much of the time I'm reading partials and, and complete manuscripts from potential clients. And a lot of the time I don't get much time to just do general pleasure reading. So I'm thinking, huh? Maybe I could create something like that where I could kind of listen to it as I'm sleeping, but somehow still absorb it where you wake up the next day and you know what that book was and you feel like you've read it. So yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Maybe I should patent that idea. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Thank you all so much for being here. We appreciate you. Shannon, thank you so much for doing this.
2: Thank you guys for having me. And thank you to everyone who asked questions and participated. I really appreciate it.
0: Well,
1: and
2: before
0: we let you go, Shannon, where can we find you online?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm at cmalit.com. And if you look at the About Us page, it has complete breakdown of everything that I am looking for. I'm also, of course, I have a manuscript wish list. And it breaks it down even further. And you can see all my likes, dislikes, my TV shows and everything. And then I'm also on Twitter. And my handle is lit underscore agent.
0: Thank you.
1: Thank you you guys for
2: having me. We are so glad that you
0: joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. And not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from
1: you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy.com at manuscriptwishlist.com with First Pages podcast
0: in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.